Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to speak today. Um, it is an honor. It's a privilege to, to be an elder at this church and, uh, and to serve you guys. And uh, I want to thank Cody, um, first of all, for allowing us to do this. I, don't, I know Andrew's here. Is, is Tony here? I don't know if there's, there's Tony. Um, thank you for putting me third, Tony. I mean, uh, Cody, thank you for putting me last in the lineup. So I get to go behind these guys. I, understand, I didn't get to hear you guys. I, I started listening to it online, but I understand that both of you guys did an unbelievable, fabulous job. So I just apologize up front for, you know, bringing it in uh, at the end. But hopefully uh, God's got, got something uh, to say today. And so I always hate it when somebody gets up to speak and they, you don't know who they are. Y'all with me? You don't know who they are. Most of you guys may know me. Uh, but some of you don't. My name's Alan Easterwood, um, and I have been here in Iron City uh, for 10 years uh, now. And as I mentioned, uh, I'm an elder here at the church and so privileged to serve you guys. And um, I'm married to Jennifer. Um, we have, I've been waiting to say this, four children. <laughs> some, any of the four people plus children in the house, you know, you're, you're with me. I've been needing encouragement from you. Uh, but we have we have four children. Jennifer is, is not, she's snuck in, don't look, but she's snuck in the back and she's holding our little guy that uh, we've gone to get. I uh, don't know how he would make it or react through, but she's here. And uh, then my other children, Morgan, uh, Mary-Kate, and Mallory, and um, many of you know them. And so you know that we've been on a journey recently um, and, and for a longer period of time um, of adoption. Um, but I can't start talking to you about the adoption of our son uh, without going back to 2003. Uh, all the way back to October the 19th, 2003, we went to China and we adopted a little girl. Uh, and many of, many of you know her. There's some, there'll be some pictures on the, on the screen of Jennifer. That's me, I promise. <laughs> With the hair and the glasses and everything, that's me. Um, what's a better look, that or this? What do you think? I, I don't know. But uh, 2003, October the 19th, we went and we got... Um, Mallory's going to be mad at me because I never pronounced this correctly, but Fong Rojia. Close, Mallory? Okay, sorry, no, not close. But we went and adopted Fong Rojia, um, known in America as Mallory Callan uh, Easterwood, uh, dubbed by Hudson Miller. I don't know if Hudson's here this morning, but about 10 years ago, Hudson dubbed her Mau Mau Chicka Wow Wow. So y'all are welcome to call her that. That somehow morphed into Mally Chicka Wally. I don't know where all that came from, but... Um, that started, she, she started it all for our family um, back then, and some pictures of her. That picture there, there's another little baby in that corner right there, and she's sitting right there. Janie, raise your hand. That's Janie, that's Janie Seals. We, we live next door to her parents, and we, had, we adopted these children on the same trip on the other side of the world, and they grew up beside each other. How about that? Amen? Praise God the, the things that he does. And so, so Janie's here this morning. Janie's sister. Sorry, Emily. Emily, raise your hand. Emily's sitting right here. Today is what is referred to in the adoption world as gotcha day. Today is the day that Emily's uh, parents adopted her. They got her. So congratulations, Emily. Uh, I appreciate both of you guys being here. And uh, I've, been, I've been embarrassing them their whole life, so this is no, no different this morning. So thank you guys. And then fast forward almost 15 years later, and... We traveled again, and on, on July uh, the 9th, just here recently, we, we adopted um, Maddox. Um, you can see some pictures that Jennifer hates me for putting that up there, but some pictures of, of him as we got him. And like I said, he's, he's here today. Uh, his Chinese name, again, um, Guo Jiaming. How'd that sound? Y'all don't know, right? I mean, I could be, mess I could be messing it up. You, you have no idea, but we adopted Guo Jiaming. 
Um, in the United States, uh, Maddox, Jim Ming, Easterwood. Uh, the Jim being after Jennifer's mother, um, Jennifer's father, and uh, his wife, Margaret, are here this morning. Troll and Margaret are here. We thank you for being here. Lots of my family and friends, thank you so much for being here. But the Jim part is named after Jennifer's mother, whose name was Mary Jim, and some, some of you would have known her. Um, and so, also affectionately known as Ming Ming, um, Jay Ming, all kinds of different things. But my favorite in the orphanage, this guy was known as Little Prince, okay? And so, that does not bode well for us, because as Little Prince, he pretty much got anything he wanted. Uh, I don't think he ever heard the word no. And so, if he behaves unlike what I allowed a child to behave when they were that little, then give us some grace, Okay? If he bites you or scratches you, I apologize in advance, uh, but give us some grace on that. So um, obviously adoption is something that's very near uh, and dear to my heart and to my, to my family's heart, and that's, that's what I want to talk to you about today, but, but two, diff- two different kinds of adoption. Physical adoption where we're, we're bringing children into our family, and then our adoption is God's children. That's, that's what we want to talk about today. And, and so if you're sitting here, some, some of you may be sitting here now thinking, I'm checking out. I'm not adopting any kids. Okay, anybody here? Don't raise your hand, okay? But somebody's thinking, I'm not adopting. I'm not going to China. I'm not going to any other foreign country. I'm not going to Haiti. I'm not going to any of those places. I'm not going across the street. I'm not adopting domestically. This has nothing to do with me. I'm out, and you're going to take a, you know, a hopefully less than 30-minute nap, okay? Um, don't do that, okay? But before you check out, I want you to consider a few things with me. Ha- have you ever been involved in any of these things? Have you ever raised a grandchild as your own child that you weren't expecting to? Some of, us, some of us in here have done that. Uh, have, you, have you been to Lots Creek? We've got a team right now in Lots Creek serving uh, some children there now. So have you been to Lots Creek? Have you thought about it? Have you been to Swaziland? We've got a mission team that goes to Swaziland that cares for orphans. Have you married into a family where your new spouse has children? There's lots of people in the room where you've married into a family where the new spouse has children. I'm, I'm talking to you. All these things I'm talking to you. Have you served in VBS? Have you been a foster parent? We have foster parents in here. Um, have you packed a backpack? Are you a blessing in a backpack person? Have you fed vulnerable children? Have you worked at the Coosa Valley Detention Center? John Hall, Sharon Mellon, they go there and they, they, they work with those kids. Have you been there? Have you, have you coached a ball team? There's all kinds of things that you could be doing that are dealing with adoption. There are, there's a broad definition of what adoption means. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a child who has no parents. There are vulnerable children everywhere. There are children who have two parents that are still needing someone to love them. If you've been involved in those activities, then I'm talking to you, okay? Maybe you're sitting here saying, I've never done any of those things, Alan. I'm still not going to. I'm not going to get involved with those. Those aren't me. Guess what? You're not off the hook. You're still not off the hook because uh, if you're a Christian, then you have a responsibility to care uh, for orphans and vulnerable children. Here, li- listen to what the Word of God says on this. James 1.27, many of you know this verse, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphans, plead for the widow. Deuteronomy 27.19, cursed is he who distorts the justice, do an alien, orphan, and widow. And all the people said, Amen. I think God's serious. How about you? I think God is serious about this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before the Father is this. 
to care for orphans. And it mentions widows and other things, but, and those are obviously important, but we're obviously focusing on orphans today. But sadly, the church, sadly, the, the global church, sadly, maybe even our church, I listed off all these things that, that we're doing, but I wonder, I wonder how many people are involved in those things. Is it just a few or is it, is it a large group of people? Sadly, I think that we're failing. And if we looked more like the church, maybe in Acts from the Bible, where the, where the people there gave of everything that they had. They sold their possessions. They gave their money. They, they let people into their homes. I, I think the, the orphan, the vulnerable children problem would, would be where? It, it would go from this down to, down to this if we looked like the church in Acts. And I, I struggled. I struggled. I don't want to sound damning. I want to be encouraging. I want people to come from this message, from this message today so encouraged about who God is and what He says. But we, we've got to get this. We've got to start living like the church. When people want to adopt and they come to me and say, I don't have the money, Alan. The, the church has money. You know who the church is? The church is us. The church is, the church is people sitting here, but we're so focused and so concerned about our lives, and it, me included, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. We're so concerned about all those things that we think are so important that just aren't. Do you hear me? They just aren't. So let's let go of those things and let, let's help people who need to adopt. And before you, before you guys look up here at me and you think, well, you know, look at Alan. He's such a great guy. Look at him up there. He's, because people have said this to me, you, you, you've done a special thing. You, I've heard this one. I can't believe this, John. You're so holy. People have said that to me, Okay. And, and, that, and that's okay. I'm glad that people are encouraged by, by what I've done, but they look at Alan, what, look what he's done. He's the greatest thing. His family. Let me tell you something about who, who I am, who I was. I was a disobedient man. Do you hear me? I was a disobedient man to the call of God. So much so that I have a, I have a daughter, Mary Kate, who lived in my household and who constantly said, when are you going to do what you say you're going to do? When are you going to follow through? Because you see, God was speaking. God was clear. He said, this is what you need to do. But I was disobedient. It got, it got so bad outside of my home. that I don't know if Jessica, Jessica, I call her Martin, but she's Snyder. I don't know if Jessica's here this morning. I think she's at the beach. But Jessica, you, if you know her, she speaks the truth. And she says to me in Sunday school, because my class is so sick and tired of hearing about it, she says to me, would you just adopt the kid already? And we laugh about it, and it, it is funny. Uh, but you know what I like to call this, this disobedience. You know what I like to do, and I think most people like to do? We like to call it other things. Here's what I like to say. Well, I really messed up there. What a mistake. Guess I missed that opportunity. Maybe, maybe next time. We like to say stuff like mistake, right? You know what it is? It's just sin. That's what, that's what it's called. It is just sin. Here, that's what God calls it. It's an affront against the holy God who has called you to do something that's clear that you know you're supposed to do and you don't do it. So as I stand before you today, I'm committing, I'm admitting to you that I was a disobedient man. Because there's sins of commission, things that we do. It's easy to identify. You've done something. You've messed up. You know it. You know it's against God. But the sins of omission, where you know what you're supposed to do and you don't follow through on it, those are easy to just say, hey, that's a mistake or that's this, that, and the other. Listen, here, here's what the Word of God says about it. James 4, 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, somebody's saying it, for him it is sin. 
We co- do, do we not gloss over it, folks? We do. And it doesn't have to be adoption. It doesn't have to be obedience to this. It can be anything. It can be anything in your life that God's calling you to do, and we like to gloss over it. I knew God was calling me. I knew He was calling my family to adopt again. He made it clear through so many circumstances, through so many people that He put in our lives. Yet here I was disobeying God. I was telling Him all the reasons that He was wrong. Done that? Anybody done that? Somebody please say yes with me so I don't feel so bad. He's speaking to you. He's telling you. You know it's what He wants you to do. List the things. It doesn't have to be adoption. And we got excuses. Here's what I told Him. I'm too old, Lord. I'm 48. Did y'all know that? Everybody take a big gasp. Oh my gosh. I know you thought I was 35, right? Okay. But 48 years old. I'm too old, Lord. Here's what he did. He spoke through my <clears throat> He spoke through my wife first, Jennifer. He said, here's what she said to me. She looked me in the eyeball and said, You're right. I didn't realize there was an age limit on loving a child. It's right here in the word, Alan. 48 cuts off. Can't do it anymore. Abraham and Sarah, y'all heard about them from the Bible? A hundred years old and ninety years old. They laughed at God. What did he do? He blessed people through them. My dad was 47 years old when me and my, get this, twin sister were born, okay? I had an object example. I grew up in a home with a father who was 47 when I was born. So if you do the math, I'm I'm a little better off than he is by the time that he was my age. I had an object example living with me. I'm too old, Lord. That's the things I said. And then God spoke to me. He said, no, you're not. Here's what I said next. Lord, do you know how much this thing cost? We're talking about $40,000 plus here in some cases. That'll blow your hair back. I wonder if you got it. $40,000. I'm not a rich man. I got college-age children here. Here's what I said with Mallory, before Mallory. I got two kids already, Lord. Before I came to get you, my mouth, those are things I said. Before Maddox, I got three kids already, Lord. Are you crazy? Are you your mind? Here's what God said. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here's what He said in Psalm 50.10. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly and immeasurably more than anything you could ever ask or imagine in your mind... He's got the power through you to do it. To Him be the glory in the church and throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? So imagine everything in your mind that you think it's so tough, it's so big, I can't, we can't do it, I can't do it. And God says, wait a minute. Anything you can imagine in your mind, I can do exceedingly abundantly and immeasurably more than every bit of that. Okay? If God's commanding you to do it, He's leading you to do it. It's obviously His will. He's going to accomplish it, people. He commands it, he's going to do it. Here's what I did with Mallory on the cost thing. I said, we can't do it, it's too much money, honey. Here's what God did. He said, I'm going I'm to change your job, Alan. You've committed to do this. You said, I'll do it, I'll go forward, I'll adopt. I'll do this thing, I'm with you, Lord. By the way, Alan, that secure job you got, that's a salary that you know what you're going to get every week, we're done with that, commission only. Job change, commission only, right in the middle of it, Okay. Let me tell you this, people. I made more money in the period of time when we were adopting Mallory. You remember this, Sharon? He was going through it at the same time. Than I ever made in my entire life. You know how much money I had in my savings account when the thing was over? More money than when I started. Nobody gave me a dime. God gave me all of the money through my personal income in a time when I thought it was the, the scariest time of my life. Amen? 
That's what he did. Here's what he did with Maddox. Here's what he did with Maddox. He sold our house. We had our house for sale here in Chocolock and couldn't sell it. And then finally, finally, I made the commitment and I say, let's do this thing. I'm obedient to God. He sells our house. My mother was sick at that time in a nursing home. My sister's here this morning, my brother-in-law. She was in a nursing home. She was sick. She wasn't in her home anymore. I went to see her one day and she said, that house is sold, son, living, living my house for free. You move in there, son, and you take the money that you would spend every month on that house that you thought that you had to have, that you thought was so important, that you was so nice, that it cost you X amount of dollars every month, and instead of spending it on that house, you spend it on you spend it on getting this little buddy here. Don't look at me and think, look at the sacrifices I made. I'm, I'm telling you what God did. Are you with me? I'm telling you what God did. And so he told, he told my mother, you do that. And, I'm, and I've been allowed to live there. I've been allowed to save that. My mother passed away on the 20th of March. Money will come from that. She had a little bit of money saved up. I had to not even think anymore about some of the expenses. That's God working. You're thinking your mother died. She knew the Lord for 70 years and she went on to love Him and be with Him for the rest of her life and she blessed me, blessed me through it. The night before my mother died, a tornado came. Y'all remember that in March? Had a rental house up in Jacksonville. Guess what happened? Blew it off the map. Not a single person that lived in that house was harmed. And as you know, nobody else up in Jacksonville was harmed physically. No deaths had just enough money to pay off that mortgage and the money left over. I wanted to take my three children with me so bad to experience this. Wanted to take Mallory back to China so she could see where she's from. The money left over was exactly the amount of money I needed to take those three people with me. Do, do you hear what I'm telling you? Do you understand what I'm telling you? Giving from family. Some family helped us out. Some friends helped us out. And God just did it. He just overcame that argument. Here's the next one. We're starting over, Lord. I'm starting over. I got it. Morgan's 21 years. You're a grown man, son. He's sitting right here. He's 21 years old. Mary Kate's 20. About to be a junior in college. Mallory's 15. Going to be driving at the end of the year. You're starting over. You know what this statement implies? This, play, this statement implies that you've stopped. Does it not? Who's, who's a parent? Okay. Lots of people in here that I've, I've described. It implies that you stop. You never stop parenting. Somebody else has just been added to the list for you to love and to disciple. Okay? No offense here to anybody who's retiring or already retired and you're, you're, you're living the good life, but I just can't find it. I'm looking in the Word of God. I just don't know that it's biblical. I can't find any verses that say that it's okay to just stop now and focus on me because I deserve everything because I've worked so hard all my life. Everything I see in the Word of God has to be humble, to be, to, to be sacrificial, to keep working, to continue on. I can't think of any better way to do it than raising a child and teaching them who God is and showing them how to be obedient to the Word of God and raising a disciple and somebody who can go into the world and affect the kingdom. Amen? I mean, what better for me to do? The next excuse, they don't look like me, Lord. That's what I said with Mallory. I got two, two biological children. They look like white people, because they're married, they come from me and Jennifer. They don't look like me, Lord. How can I love them like my, you ready? Real children. You ever heard that one? You're, you're an adopted parent, or you've got a child that doesn't, 
Maybe it doesn't look like you. And by the way, there's a, there's a list of things that you just don't say to adoptive parents. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> What's she got in her? Sharon knows this one. Uh, I believe this was Janie, right? I mean, no, no, uh, Emily, okay? Emily's dad, Jerry, was at the grocery store. He goes to the grocery line. He gets up to the counter. If I don't tell it right, Emily, you can shout me down afterwards. But then he's there checking out, and the little girl's checking him out, and they're chit-chatting, and, and he's got Emily, and he says, she says, What's in her? And Jerry, Jerry's like, what, what do you mean? What, you know, what's in her? What's in her? And he's like, what, like, what's she have for lunch? You know what? Same, you know, she, you know, Emily is no hiding the fact you're Asian, okay? And let me, let me just say as an aside, people are Asian, okay? <laughs> My Sunday school class is laughing right now. People are Asian, okay? Rugs, lamps, noodles, those are oriental, Okay? Thank you. People, people are Asian. And, and honestly, you may not know this. I'm in the Asian community. It's an actual affront to them, a slur to, to be called Oriental. Um, but they're Asian, okay? Um, is she your real daughter? Are you her real parents? Does she know, does he know that he's adopted? Could you not have, if, you know, if, the other kids aren't with us. It's obvious that we have biological. Could you not have biological children? Could you not have your own kids? As if adoption is second best. There's a fundamental misunderstanding of who God is and what the gospel means when you ask those kinds of questions. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're missing who God is and not understanding who he is. God puts the love inside of you. I, I remember thinking when I was adopted Mallory, I'll not be able to go in there and look at that little girl in the crib and look at her hands. Who does this? Everybody? I mean, does everybody? You, you, you hold their little hand, you look at their feet, make sure they're breathing, right? Okay? <laughs> put, your, put your ear down. Love them when you're looking at them, right? I can't do that, Lord. It's not going to happen the same way it is with my biological children. That's just not true. God just does it. He, God just puts the love inside of you. It doesn't matter that Mallory's Asian. It doesn't matter if your children are African American. It doesn't matter if they're from Haiti. It doesn't matter what country they're from. It doesn't matter if they're from across the street and they look different from you. It just doesn't make any difference because the Lord does not see color. You know this. We don't have to go all to the Scripture. He's not concerned about that. And guess what? People say this to me all the time. Why did you have to go across the ocean to get a kid? Lots of kids right here that need help. Yes, there are. And people are adopting them and caring for them. Guess what? Christianity is not an American religion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not. It's global. God says go into all the earth and make disciples. He doesn't care about that stuff. The list of excuses can go on and on and on and on. Just be obedient when He calls. It's so much easier that way. I'm telling you. Jennifer was ready. She trusted God from the very beginning. My kids were ready, I've already explained it to you, to follow and to sacrifice and do the things that were required. I was the one that was being drugged along. I remember with Mallory, people telling me, you're going to miss it. Sharon, Jerry telling me, you're going to miss it. Because they already had Emily. And I'd already seen Emily, and I'd already played with Emily, and I'd already been with Emily. Then we went and got Mallory and Janie on the same trip, and then they're all out there playing in the backyard together with Morgan and Mary Kate and everybody just playing, and they look at me and say, you almost missed it. 
because of your disobedience. Praise God I didn't miss it, right? Praise God that I actually got through with my list of excuses and I'm going to give Bubba some credit here. Does anybody know you, know you as Bubba? James, John Stone. <laughs> Y'all know who James is? He's sitting right here in case you don't. Raise your hand, James. Uh, I mean, he, they're, they're, they're in the adoption process and he put on his, he put on his blog one day and I, I don't remember all the specifics, but basically what you did, Bubba, is you said you called out the guys. You said, men, lead, lead your family, please. Is that what you said, basically? It doesn't have to be adoption. Again, it could be anything. Don't let your wife have to drag you along to do what's right in God. Are you with me? Just lead well. We have to connect all of this to the gospel. We have to connect all of this back to the gospel because if we don't, if, if we do all of these good things and we adopt and we are involved in all those activities that I listed, you know what we are? We're just a bunch of good people. You know who we are? We're the world. There are lots of organizations in the world that have nothing to do with God that are helping people, that are, people are adopting, that people are helping vulnerable children, they're feeding orphans all over the world. I might get in trouble for this, but we'll look like Oprah Winfrey. She doesn't know who God is. She helps a lot of people, does she not? She helps a lot of people, but we've got to point them back to the gospel. They've got to know that everything that we're doing and all of this is coming from a central place. And that's because we understand who God is and that He has adopted us as His children. Listen to what the Word of God says about our adoption as God's children. This is, this is Galatians 4. You can, you can go there. This is our, our text for the morning. Normally start out early with this. Um, a little bit untraditional here in getting to this now. Um, this is Galatians 4. I think they've got it on the... Do you have that, Chris, on the screen? Uh, Galatians 4, 1 through 7. You, normally we would stand, um, but just, just honor God in this. Listen, listen to this scripture. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Father into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We could just read that and leave, right? How powerful is that? We have to connect it back. In, in, in chapter 3, he, he starts off in 4 saying that I, I mean there's an heir. So he's trying to explain something that he's previously talked about. In chapter 3, he surveyed 2,000 years of Old Testament history. And he's explained how God has made a promise to, to Abraham to bless all the families of the earth through him. He gave Moses the law and then, then he fulfilled this promise that he talked about in a person called Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 4, he covers that same history again. But here he's contrasting man's condition under the law in those first three verses with his condition when he is in Christ. In summary, what that says is once we were a slave, now we're sons. That's what he's saying there. Under the law, Paul says we are like an heir during his childhood in those first three verses, okay? Morgan's 21 years old. He's my son. During his childhood and adolescence, he was under my guardianship. He had barriers. He had boundaries. Things that he had to check with me on first. He wasn't fully released to do things. 
I don't know how we talked about it this week in the, in the neighborhood of Jackson Oaks growing up. There's three or four buddies he grew up with. I said, y'all tell me some of the stuff you did. And we were just recounting all that. And what I came up with is, Morgan, no, y'all can't burn that. There's no, no telling how many things they came to us and said, hey, can we burn this? Can we go back to our, our fort over here and burn this? Can we do this? Can we do that? One time they burned a plastic slide. People, the flames were 12 feet high within, no, before you could say, oh my goodness, okay? They did all kinds of stuff. But I'm his guardian. But at some point I have to release him. The scripture says the date set by the Father in verse 2. There's a date, there's a time when you release them. He becomes his own person. He has his freedom. That's what God is talking about here in this verse. There's a time set by the Father when he's going to do something. He's going to do something. In verse 3, it goes on. It says the same with us. It's the same thing with us. All people, everybody is striving to meet some kind of standard, whether you believe in the Bible or not, right? You've got friends that are lost, don't you? They're always trying to meet some kind of standard. There's a God-shaped hole that they're always trying to fill. But you can't. Nobody's sitting here. You can't, you can't meet the standard. We can't hold the law. We can't keep it. We've all sinned. We've taken God off of His throne. And we've done it our way, right? Just like the world. As a result of this, not a single one of us is naturally a child of God. Not a single one. So the ultimate question is this. How can I, a sinner, be made right with God who's holy? That's what we're talking about here. Under a guardian, there's going to be a right time to be released. God wants to love you, wants to have a relationship with you, but you're a sinner. There's no way to get there. How can we do it? The answer is in verses 4 through 7. At just the right time, God sent his son. I got to give David Platt some credit here. I don't know if you know who David Platt is. He was a former pastor over at the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, uh, leader of the former leader of the International Mission Board, a great, a great preacher. Um, when I was studying this, he also adopted children and, and came back, and at the same time, he preached a message about it and used these particular verses in 4 through 7. So I had my thoughts and what I wanted to say, and I was struggling a little bit, and I, I listened to his sermon. I went, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. So he helped me with a couple of points here. So I always want to give credit where it's due, but adoption requires someone to come at the right time. There are different countries with varying time frames before a child can become available for adoption. There's different waiting periods before a child is available. It's a long process. It can be very frustrating. The Chilterns are maybe in, he's over here, this, Jason's over here this morning. The Chilterns, you know, they, they had a year-long process. They, they, uh, Donna spent in country two full months of being in the country. And she and Jason visited the Ukraine twice, I think, that, before it was even finalized. All these periods all these times, all this waiting going on. The John Stones are, are sitting here this morning. You know that they're in the process. If you, if you don't, they're in the process of adoption from Haiti. They've been in the process for a year and eight or nine months already. And this is it's probably hard for me to stand here and say this and for them to hear it and think about it again, how long it is. They got another two to three years in the process before they get matched with the child. Then they got to go over there for a two-week period, right, of socialization. Then they come home without their child. Then they wait another eight months to a year. Then they get to go back. Man, there's lots of families in here who have adopted. Ask them about it. At just the right time, at just the right time, God's going to do what He needs to do. At just the right time, I promise you, it's going to happen. At just the right, Jason, did it happen at just the right time? Where's the Scots? The Scots are in here. John Blanton's sitting right here. I might not even know you. Somebody may be sitting in here and has been adopted. 
Maybe you've not been adopted that way. Maybe you're in a family where you married in and there were already children. At just the right time, God does what He needs to do. And at just the right time, at just the right time, He sends His Son. Ephesians 3, verse 1, verses 3 through 13. Let me read this to you. I know it's a lot of Scripture, and I, and I know I'm running late here. I'm going to hustle. Uh, Ephesians 1, excuse me, 3, 1 through 13. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, don't miss that, in love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, so that the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. You know what that says? It says that God decided before time that He was going to love you. He just decided that He's going to love you. To me, that is glorious, that God has decided that He's going to love me and there are no conditions on it whatsoever. It doesn't make any difference. There were no conditions on Mallory. There were no conditions on Maddox. There's, adoption requires that somebody's got to possess the right qualifications. You've got to convince two different countries that you're a decent person. I kept raising my hand going, I've got three kids. They're all right here with me. They're okay. Look at them. <laughs> Nobody's hurt. Just let me have this kid. There's all these qualifications, home study, medical exam, fingerprinting, financial examination, question after question after question. In verse 4 and 5, it says that God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So somebody's got to possess the right qualifications, and only Christ Jesus can meet all these qualifications. He was born, He was from God, He was born of a woman, so He's just like us. He's subject to the law, but He was perfectly obedient to the law. Nobody can do that. None of us can do that. No other religion can meet those qualifications, people. You name them all off. You list them out. They don't have a guy like Jesus. They don't have a guy who can meet all those qualifications. They don't have a guy who can come just at the right time as the perfect person. Only God can do that through Jesus. Adoption requires someone with the right resolve. They have to be purposed to adopt. They have to intend to adopt. Nobody goes through all these qualifications and frustrations and battles and stuff. If you've been through a domestic adoption or you've been through fostering and then you have somebody come in, they fight for custody and you're, just a, you're battling. Who goes through that? Who goes through that without resolve? An intention. Three times in this passage, it's repeated that God sent Jesus. Do you, did you pick up on that? Three times that God sent Jesus. He purposed to send Jesus so that He could adopt us as His very own children. Do, do you get that? God purposed to adopt us as His children and to love us. And finally, because, because we are now sons, God sends the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying. What's the word say? Abba, Father. An Aramic phrase meaning daddy. 
describing the intimate relationship of a father and a child. Think, think about your relationship, fathers, or even mothers, and your relationship with your children and how. Do you love them? You love them like nobody's business, don't you? And that's an intimate, intimate love relationship. Let me tell you early on, and I'm wrapping up here, but early on, Mallory and Maddox. They just, they both rejected me. They just, they wouldn't let me love them. Man, I, I love them, I love them so much, but they wouldn't let me, they just rejected me. It's not their fault. They don't know. They don't understand how much I love them. John, they don't get it. They don't understand how much I love them. They don't understand how good it's going to be when they let me in. Are you with me? They don't understand it. They can't see it. And it's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. He loves us so much. And we fight Him and we reject Him. And we just can't understand it. We can't see it. But when we finally let Him in, how glorious that love relationship is, right? How unbelievable that relationship is with your child. It's the same thing with God when we let Him in and He adopts us as His. It's just this unbelievable relationship. And then finally, ending in verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Mallory and Maddox both had their futures changed. When I think about what what Mallory might have experienced as a child, as a girl in China going unadopted. At some point point you get to a point and they say, well, we can't keep you anymore. And and there's, there's the street. And so you have to prostitute yourself and you have to survive somehow. And you have men who take advantage of you. And I think about the future that she might have had. Her future was changed. And I think about Maddox. He's got a medical special need. And what if nobody ever looked at it? Their futures have been changed, but now they're my heirs. <laughs> Hallelujah, now they're my heirs and they've received the full rights of being my child, that I'm going to love them. And it's the same with us and God. Now we have a full inheritance with God. We have eternity with God once we become His child and we understand that. We have that full inheritance. And so, let me finish with this. Again from David Platt, it's a quote from him. It is important to realize we adopt not because we are rescuers. We adopt because we are the rescued. Let's pray.